0: In many cases, people believe that hey, once I get this title, then then I'm going to have this opportunity to lead and be a great leader. And, and I would just I would just push back on it. I would say, look, you know, even if you're an individual contributor on a team, you have an opportunity to lead. Like, and we want to, you know, at, at Embarrass, that's what we we try to invest in everyone to build a, a team of great leaders. And so I, I think that would, you know, especially for any young professionals that are up and coming that might be listening to this, like, don't let that be a crutch, don't wait. You can lead, and that doesn't mean that you have the authority to make all the decisions, but there's other ways of leadership that certainly will get noticed if you want it to. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation, and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by Inveris. Before I introduce this week's guest, I wanted to ask everyone to please support the show by leaving a review on iTunes. Love reading those on the air. And I love your feedback. Well, anyway, speaking of Inveris, today I'm sitting here with Colin Westmoreland, Chief Innovative Officer of Inveris. How are you, Colin? It's Finally to get on here with you after, you know, some technical difficulties. Over yeah, the I know. Couple of weeks.
0: Um, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me. Excited about it.
1: <laughs> good. Good. Because it's taken a little bit, yes. a little bit of effort. So well, I'm glad you could finally get on with me. Let's talk about how you got started in the oil and gas industry.
0: Yeah, sure. So I, I actually, I grew up in the industry. I've, I've always loved the people. I was actually born in Beaumont and both of my grandfathers worked for Mobile and Union 76. My dad was with Arco and we bounced around everywhere in the U.S. and, and, and actually graduated high school over in Southeast Asia. And then, uh, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, I don't think we ever lived anywhere longer than three years, but Nearly, I guess it's almost 20 years ago now. Right out of college, I joined Amaris, and I was in a customer-facing role. I basically did anything and everything they needed me to do. And I think I was employee number 20 or something like that. That's and, neat. Yeah, it was. It was early. It was. It was a fun. It's been an incredible ride, honestly. But I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't didn't know clearly, you know, everything I needed to know about the industry. But I was I was fresh off of selling books door to door. For straight commission in college so i i was willing to let's just say i was happy to be doing something <laughs> <laughs> at, at that time that was you know we were founded by independent oil and gas guys and they wanted the level playing field for the smaller independents out there and i believe we accomplished that and changed the way that data was delivered in our industry so we were pretty proud of it and then kind of have ridden this ship and all the way to six or seven years ago i was given the opportunity to get involved more with leading products and an operations team and uh, kind of helped build out our oilfield services suite at that time. Just a, just had a blast. And uh, since then, I've had the opportunity to run a few different business units at Enveris and product initiatives. And through that process, I just realized I was the most passionate about just bringing new products to market. So that's, that's kind of how I was exposed to the industry at an early age and how I got here.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. So what are some challenges you, you've gone through throughout your
0: career? Oh man. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to pinpoint just yeah. one, you can talk about a couple. Yeah, no, there's that that's a great question. I mean, well, look, first of all, like anybody else who's been in the industry over the last two decades, we've yeah. obviously dealt with multiple downturns and you know, like everyone else, the last two years have just presented a lot of new challenges for everyone, but but personally, I guess the the biggest challenge I faced early on in my career was just Trying to get my arms around all aspects of the industry. Like, if you think about it, we were providing services to everybody from individual royalty owners to land professionals, financial community, up to the largest EMPs. And and everybody wanted to use us for a different reason. So you really had to kind of dig in and just spend time with individual users, which we've got a lot of them, just to get a better understanding of their needs. And, you know, we've made a lot of acquisitions. And most recently, we've made a few that allows us to get into kind of the full source to pay aspect of the business on the supply chain side. So even in the last couple of years, I'm still trying to get my arms around this industry and and just all the different things that we need to be focused on to help provide, you know, the best experience for our clients. And so that was certainly a challenge and a learning experience. And um, I'd say on, from a leadership standpoint, you know, that might be relevant to, to this is, you know, I was I came in right out of school and I, I was multiple times was being promoted from within and ultimately leading teams of people that used to be peers of mine. And fortunately I work with some incredible people, but, but early on in my career, it was, it, that was definitely a challenge for me.
1: Yeah, I get that. So how did you know you wanted to be a leader?
0: I don't know that I, I always knew I wanted to be a, a leader in the sense of, you know, a, a title, but I grew up playing sports. I, I, I think it was something that innately, you know, I enjoy leading teams and, you know, I, I, I enjoy being successful. I, I enjoy winning. And to me, leadership is about helping to rally a team around going out there and being successful. And so I think, you know, even growing up through sports and other activities, I think I've always enjoyed leadership to some extent. Yeah, I get that. What'd you play? Oh, uh, I played, I played a lot. I, I played soccer in both college and I played rugby for the University of Texas and also played baseball okay. and track and, you know, football, you name it. I kind of, I kind of did. But remember, I, I grew up overseas, so we didn't have an American football team in high school. So that's, uh, that's why I went the rugby direction.
1: Oh, get it. Yeah. Well, I'm from Louisiana and we didn't have soccer. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a, yeah that's a fair point.
1: Yeah. But that was, that was way back in the day. I'm not yeah, going to no, reveal that. Wait. So now that we've kind of uh, established your start and all of that, let's talk about where you currently do.
0: Yeah, sure. So if you look at my current role, I love what I'm doing now. If you look just at a phrase that we've adopted at is we want to be a leader in what we're calling intelligent connections. And so basically that's bringing together analytics, people, experiences, and just industry scope to connect the right data and information and, and mainly to help people discover previously unseen insights and opportunities. So in other words, we're trying to connect. We are the connection between the data and value. So now as chief innovation officer, it's my responsibility to, to help execute on that vision and just make sure we're staying in front of the needs of our clients. And, and that might mean putting new solutions out into the market that drive maximum value. And when I'm not in front of our clients, the majority of my time, is normally spent with our product and development teams. I'd say I have a strong partnership with sales and marketing, and but a lot of my time is spent with product and development, and that's working closely to just make sure we're focused on the right problems and just making sure that our teams are motivated and engaged and working together. And it's funny when some people hear my title, their original immediate response is, "Well, you, you must be in charge of all the new product ideas," but that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, we we first and foremost listen to our clients. That that's really Who drives our roadmap? And secondly, there's a lot of people, a lot of people in our organization, smarter than me that are that are constantly bringing in innovative ideas every day. It's just kind of my job as a leader to make sure that we're fostering an environment on and and leveraging our team where those ideas can come to life. So, as I mentioned earlier, I'm super passionate about bringing new products to market. That go to market function, I I think, is one of the most exciting in, in a technology company. Yeah, I agree. It's just so much fun. So. Yeah, I love I love the people I work with, and I love the role. It's awesome,
1: fantastic. There's nothing better than that.
0: It's, you know? it's really good. I mean, it's very
1: it's, fulfilling, right?
0: It's very fulfilling, and and you know, maybe that going back to just growing up in a, you know, in sports and everything else, and and this concept of winning, you know, it, it is extremely fulfilling to go out and identify a problem in the market. Um, that's pervasive. It's a big challenge for our clients and actually working with them to build something and then seeing that being used. And um, man, it's, it, it's addictive. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. So, what is leadership to you, Colin? Look, I've had the opportunity to work alongside a ton of great leaders in my career. And, and, and first and foremost, they're all different. So, I think the first thing I'd say is leadership probably looks a little different to everyone. But look, obviously, you've got, consistent themes that I've seen in all great leaders that I've worked with. And some of the things that I think immediately come to mind are things like servant leadership, putting the team and employees in front of themselves. The, some of the best ones that I've worked with are humble, passionate, hungry, collaborative, hardworking, all of those things. You know, It sounds a little bit cliche, but I, those are real things that I think all good leaders possess. And One of the biggest things also is just not a lot of the leaders I've worked with that have had a ton of success. They're just not afraid to fail. I mean, you know, we all fail. I've had a ton of failures in my career and some of the best leaders I've ever worked with are also, you know, at their best when things actually aren't going well. So I think that quality and the ability to leave and get people to believe in a vision, even during times of stress of the last two years come to mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that that's certainly something i admire in a leader and and you know i like i said i think everybody's a little bit different but but certainly those qualities that i just rattled off i think are probably consistent and most of the great leaders out there it's mark lacour editor-in-chief at oggn and the energy industry faces challenges every day and the events of the last two years have caused disruptions like never before Companies in the energy industry need actionable intelligence in a single source of truth that brings all the data together. Inevorus is the energy-specialized technology partner that provides intelligent connections for the global energy ecosystem. Only Inevorus has the analytics, people, experience, and industry scope to connect the right data and information in the right way to discover missed opportunities and deliver fast outcomes. Find out more at Inevorus.com. That's E-N-V-E-R-U-S dot com.
1: So do you have an example of something difficult you've gone through as a leader?
0: Oh, shoot. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got, you do,
1: do you have a list? <laughs> yeah,
0: there's no question. I mean, I, I don't think anyone can, like, especially, you know, I've, I've been at this for almost 20 years. I don't, I don't think anyone can continue to have su- success and over a two decade period where you're not having failures, it, you know, as a... Saying goes, you, you know, you you learn a lot more from your failures than you do for your from your successes. And that that's just so true. But look, I, I think if I point back to some of the biggest failures I had as a leader in many cases early on in my career, it was just blurring the lines with taking things too personally. And I had a I had a good mentor of mine that told me that said, you know, this is way back when I was just a regional sales manager. And they said, listen, you know, you may think everybody likes you right now, but the more the more you work your way up in an organization, you're going to get people that just don't. And you know, back when he said that, I, you know, I was listening, but I was like, "Now, nah, come on, that's not, you know, can't be, <laughs> can't be that hard." And sure enough, you know, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Two years later, when I was VP of Sales, and I, I was starting to having to make tough decisions that certain people didn't agree with, and I took it real personally, and it damaged some relationships that I had at the time. And um, you know, that's it's just a it's just a line you have to you have to balance. And, you know, that was one of many Paige, Yeah, that I'd say, but, but certainly I think I can say with, and I think if people would back me up on this, people I've worked with in my career, I'm not afraid of failure. So I, I don't think, and this is a credit to embarrass and, and all the people that have given me opportunities here. I don't even know if I was qualified for any of the roles that they put me in. And
1: <laughs> They took a chance then.
0: They did. They did. And I kind of knew it going in. I mean, it was each one of those roles. I knew I hadn't had experience doing a lot of what they wanted me to do. But, you know, I wasn't scared of it. I figured, you know, worst thing that happens is, is I learn a lot from it and I move on. So, uh, yeah, that's a good question. It's a, there's a lot of them out there.
1: Yeah, for sure. So if you had a piece of advice to give our audience,
0: what would it be? I don't know that I've got a silver bullet of advice on specifically on kind of what we just talked about on how to be a successful leader, I I would say that looking back on my career, I think one of the biggest contributing factors and the success I've had at Embarrass has been investing in relationships. And that's in the office, outside the office, just being genuinely interested and listening to others and our organization, regardless of which department they're in or what role they're in. And you'll just never know when those relationships might need to be leaned on down the road on either side, like them needing to lean on you or you needing to lean on them. And I wouldn't be that embarrassed if I didn't truly love the people I work with. But I think part of the reason I love these folks so much is that I I put the work in to build those personal relationships and, and kind of going back to my last point, I now know, you know, I'm better at balancing, you know, personal versus work, but the relationships themselves, I take very seriously. You know, I know when I finally leave in Paris and I've been there 18 years now, so there probably will be a point where i leave. I'm going to have some lifelong relationships for me. And honestly, there's not many more things that I'm proud of than that. You know, the only other thing I would say, Paige, is, you know, from a device standpoint, it, is sometimes I see people, and I see young leaders specifically, they start to get up, hung up on title or reporting mm. structure, and they believe that that translates into their ability or inability to lead. And they, they use that as an excuse. And I would just say like some of the best leaders I've seen come up through the ranks in our organization, they started leading when they were individual contributors. And, you know, eventually they were rewarded for it, maybe through title, maybe through something else. But man, I've seen so many people just get in their own way and, and set a ceiling for themselves by concentrating too much on... A reporting structure or the title they have or something and almost
1: you know, like a power trip
0: kind of but it's 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 almost and look, i don't want to say the titles aren't important in the sense of like get, having more responsibility and being able to impact an organization in a larger way sometimes they are what, what i mean though is in many cases people believe that hey once i get this title then then i'm going to have this opportunity to lead and be a great leader and, and i would just i would just push back on it i would say look you know, even if you're an individual contributor on a team, you have an opportunity to lead like and we want to, you know, at Embarrass, that's what we we try to invest in everyone to build a a team of great leaders. And so I I think that, would, you know, especially for any young professionals that are up and coming, that might be listening to this, like, don't let that be a crutch. Don't wait, you can lead. And that doesn't mean that you have the authority to make all the decisions. But there's other ways of leadership that certainly will get noticed if you want it to.
1: So kind of basically you're saying don't let your title validate the fact that you can or can lead, right? 100%. Yeah.
0: 100%. And I think, you know, it it, it may sound obvious, but Oh man, I I can count the number of people that I've either had had to counsel or just just saw almost implode because they, they would just get so frustrated and almost shut down just based on a, you know, the fact that maybe they didn't get a title that they wanted. I mean, it's just a, That's a bad trait that that probably leaves a lot of opportunity on the table if you're feeling that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, I see that. All right, so what book influenced you the most?
0: Oh, you know, influenced me the most in my life or career. I mean, aside from the Bible, I'm not sure that there is any one book that has influenced my life and career above all others. I mean, I spent a few years really digging into Daniel Goldman's Emotional Intelligence and Varys invested in a lot of coaching for me once I started to get into kind of the rank of, of leading larger teams. And emotional intelligence was always front and center in some of those coaching sessions. And, and I really took it to heart because I've, I've worked with a lot of people who are absolutely brilliant, you know, even street smart to some extent, but just didn't have any self or social awareness. And it created a real ceiling for them. And that's something, you know. It's one of those books that, you know, reading it every five years or so is probably not a bad idea. It's not a new book, but, but it's a good one. And I enjoyed Lencioni stuff. The advantage was you know, I remember certain sections specifically on trust and healthy conflict that kind of helped me get through a tough time that I was having in my career. And early, early on, I remember when I started in Varus, in we were, you know, we were an early stage SaaS company. And at that time, I didn't even really know what the SaaS world looked like. Right, and it's an older book, but Mark Benioff's Beyond the Cloud. You know, Salesforce was just kind of getting ramped up at that time back in. I think this was like '03 or so. It came out about the same time that we were kind of turning into a high growth SaaS business, and that actually it influenced the way I thought about things, the way that they were going after their competition, and just the way that they were being disruptive. I remember there were a number of takeaways that influenced the way I thought about scaling a successful business all the way back when, and I was just in sales at the time, but but impacted me. So I don't know, Paige, if there's any, you know, like I said, particularly one book, but I, I think there are certain sections of a lot of different books that I've probably taken things away from and, and apply them to, to my day-to-day.
1: Well, I didn't expect one book. I never expect one book. But... <laughs> <laughs> right. right. But yeah, as a collective, that's, that's a great answer. I don't know if this is necessarily applicable because of how big you guys are, but who's your most respected competitor?
0: Uh, look, we take all competition seriously. I, I think we actually have a healthy dose of paranoia when it comes to competitors, and you know we're always listening. And while I don't know, kind of to your point, that there's any single competitor that that does everything that we do, I do have a ton of respect for the small companies and entrepreneurs that are taking risks and trying to solve new problems, even if it's in niche areas. I mean, that's yeah. it's not an easy world to live in. And I particularly respect the founder led companies because look, that's the world I came from. And yeah. that, that that's the world I, I grew up in. And I respect the hell out of those folks. And look, in short, this is again, this is it sounds cliche, but it, it's true. Like competition's good for everybody. It's good for us.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, how are you supposed to improve without knowing that there is room for improvement?
0: No doubt, and it pushes us to be better. And, and like I said, I mean, it coming all the way down from our president to to our chief product officer, I mean, there's not a week that goes by that there isn't some conversation around things that other people are doing. And like I, I think that's what helps keep us on our toes and and helps us innovate is is just making sure that you know we're building. We're not only as good as our competition, but we want to be ten times better. And all so right. yeah, for sure, we're trying to do, yeah.
1: So what would you say is your most important lesson learned?
0: Well, I think we may have, you know, that that's probably comes from one of my biggest failures, but that's, you know, we already talked a little bit about just not letting business get in the way of your personal relationships, particularly in life. And, you know, I, I did that a few times and nearly ruined some of those relationships because we just didn't see eye to eye on something that was work related. And, and in, in some cases, it took me nearly 10 years to fully Unwind that and and make sure I was keeping my identity separate from from the role that I have at the time and
1: and, and that's really hard to do. That's it is it's a it big is. pill to swallow.
0: It is and it was it was hard for me. And look, I I've fallen on my sword and, and gone back and apologized to some of these folks where you know I took things personally and it wasn't personal. And, and I would say that's it was a massive lesson. And when, and when I when I finally a good mentor of mine. Carl Scheibel used to really drill home that like, you know, your identity and your role are completely separate. You know, who you are as a person isn't who you are in your role at work. And, you know, I always used to, I could repeat that verbatim, but I wasn't living it. And it it took nearly a decade for me to really, for that to really set in. Maybe that's, you know, me getting older or just having more experiences. But I got to tell you, if you can kind of get into that space and that headspace of having a strong appreciation of both your personal relationships, but and the, the things that are happening at work, it just makes professional life so much easier. And it's yeah. just, um, you know, you can sleep a lot better at night, or at least I did. Let's put it that way.
1: <laughs> I
0: bet so. Yeah.
1: I bet so. So, why is your role now important to the future of our industry?
0: I'm not going to say that I'm specifically important to the future of our industry, but I, w- I will say that the future of energy is our future. And at Embarrassed, we do take that very seriously. And we'll continue to be customer-centric and an organization that believes we're mission critical to the, the day-to-day, long-term success of our clients. And as our industry evolves, like we're, we're going to continue to invest and innovate. And we've got over 5,000 energy companies. We've got 300 financial institutions. We've got Fifty-five thousand suppliers that rely on what we do every single day. So I'm a part of that, and because of that, yeah, that that does feel important to me. Does that blow your mind? It's pretty mind blowing. It, it's <laughs> you know sometimes it, it's sometimes easy to take for granted. You know sometimes you're so focused on what's ahead that that you don't pause you know long enough and look back on where you've been, and sometimes even celebrate those successes. And we are intentional about doing that, but you know, when I sit and think about the fact that, you know, I was employee number 20. And I think at that point in time, we were just feeling things out. And, you know, we're just getting on the map to where we are today. It's been just an absolutely incredible ride. And I am, I'm humbled and, and honored, obviously, to be a part of it. A lot of it's luck being in the right place at the right time, like anything else. But, uh, but man, I was, I'm glad I walked through those doors nearly 20 years ago, for sure.
1: Awesome. Awesome. You have any favorite podcasts?
0: I mean, yours. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I look, I actually don't listen to as many podcasts. I would like I've got an eight year old and 11 an year old at home. So when I get home, you know, very, very little time. to.
1: Oh, you have to save the whatever energy you have left for them.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I if I'm working out, I'm, I'm normally listening to music. But I've, you know, there's there's some cool like on the business side, Harvard Business Review, um, the IdeaCast are pretty good. Like they're focused on leading thinkers in business and management. They have some good stuff on there. I'm a sports nut, like I told you, so I'll listen to sports podcasts every once in a while. But honestly, I, I, I'd like to listen to more. I may take that as an action item or a takeaway coming from this thing. Oh,
1: that'd be great. Yeah, and then report back and let me know. Yeah, I will, <laughs> I will, I will. I promise. Well, thanks for joining me today, Colin. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about Inverus, how can they go about doing so?
0: Oh, yeah, sure. No problem. I think I'm on the website. I think we've got happy to get emails from anybody or, or everybody out there. If there's any way that I can help, would love to do it.
1: Awesome. And of course, this show is sponsored by Inveris. So there will be a link to get to their website and reach out to Colin.
0: Yeah. And, and by the way, Paige, like LinkedIn's fine as well. I, okay. I, I, don't, I probably don't check it as often as I need to, but oh, um, I'm
1: right there with you. Yeah. I I really don't like it, but, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I just, I'm not a social person when it comes to social media.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of there with you. It is a good medium though. You know, at least getting, you know, email to me is just, you know, the hundreds of emails I get every day that that sometimes is even worse. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn <laughs> as well. That's fine.
1: All right. Perfect. All right. Well, that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door.
0: Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.